Welcome to episode 196 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord, and I have traveled the pits of Tartarus itself to free Hades and restore him to his throne. My reward for this daring and deadly endeavor is I will forever be free of the burden of having to write a silly intro for this podcast every single week. And I'm Cameron Dexter. <laughs> You seem, you seem a little defeated there, Chris. That's it. That's all I got. That's okay. <laughs> I just... I, uh, I, I I couldn't find something good to play off of this week, so we're settling for that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> just like the Bertinelli's, I'm dead today. <laughs> I am de- very <laughs> dead today. Very tired. We power through. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we have been very excited to get to Double Date in particular. Um, and whatever, the balance is just the balance. Uh... This one was one you were really looking forward to, Cameron. Just uh, initial thoughts. I think, it... I think we were both looking forward to Double Date a lot. And we hyped it up for years. I'm, you say we. Yeah, it's, we. It's mostly video. Double Date? No. Yeah, I don't, I'm not out there like espousing the, the, the wonders of Double Date up to this point. I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, maybe it is just me. It's, it's mostly you, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I hyped it up too much okay. for me. Uh, I... Honestly, I think I I enjoyed the chemistry between Arrow and Canary better in this episode, but I think the last episode with them is a better story. Because for this one, and we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the episode, I think the question shows exactly why Batman is single forever. <laughs> is he so insufferable as a person? See, I don't find him that insufferable. You don't? Actually, always being no. one step ahead and always being like, I told you so. No, because like it, that doesn't... Well, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into we'll, it. We'll get into it, yeah. Um, but I mean, at least if you were underwhelmed by oh, Double I was, Date... I was whelmed. Okay. I won't, I won't go as far as underwhelmed. If you were whelmed by Double Date, you must have been at least surprisingly excited when you discovered the balance was all about Greek mythology. It, Yes. So there's there's two strands that happen when I see a Greek mythology episode. Mm-hmm. On one hand, I'm so excited. But on the other hand, there's so much more research I have to do. Yes. Because I have to Google every name. Because I know you're going to quiz me at some points. I, I don't even have to. I just I just I know that your own compulsion will make you do it. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, I, I have to know. Yeah. I have to know everything. I know I was even even able to go ahead and uh, disarm the bomb in your neck from last week, knowing that I wouldn't have to pressure you at all to do all this Greek research. You would just do it yourself. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> but I can reactivate that bomb anytime, Cameron, just just so you know. I wish you would have done it before this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never. Absolutely never. If anyone's taking the shortcut out of this podcast, it's 100 percent going to be me. And I'm going to I'm going to force you to finish it out on your own. That's fair. Yes. You, you've put in the work. <laughs> I'm now just starting to pull my weight after 900 after 190 episodes. With like 10 episodes left. Uh, all right. Well, shall we uh, shall we get into it, though? Let's do it. All right. So we have first up The Balance. Uh, and in that, Tala, our mysterious mystical member of the Cadmus Council, accidentally releases Felix Faust's uh, imprisoned soul. Faust takes over the Annihilator armor and uses it to... Uh, tear through the Amazons of Themyscira, break open the gates of Tartarus, and expel Hades from his throne. Um, so to set things right, one Roman is tasked by Zeus himself to restore Hades, and to do so, she needs the help of her estranged leaguer, Shaira, and her magic-disrupting nth metal mace. Yes. Yes. So, this... Where does this start? Oh, okay, yeah, so this... This whole thing starts 
with Tala now in possession of the Annihilator armor stolen mm-hmm. in Task Force X last week. Um, and trying to take away its final uh, weakness. And so she's chatting with Felix Faust, who I don't remember exactly what happened to him at the end of Paradise Lost. But I guess his body was destroyed and his soul was just floating about. So they've shoved it into a mirror somewhere. I guess so. I, yeah, because Hades came and he was he like bested Faust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And th- yeah, I don't remember. What ha- Did he like, age? Did he like? I don't remember. Yeah, it seems a vague recall. I don't know. Either way, his, his soul is trapped in there, so he tricks Tala into letting him out, or we get swapping places with her. And he takes over the armor and then just heads straight through Themyscira, basically. Um, it's like, that's kind of like the bulk of the setup there. And then I, I suppose, like, the, the real emotional hook of this one, though, is that uh, on the League side of things, it starts out with the Flash sitting down to dinner on the Watchtower with Wonder Woman. And then Shaira shows up and it's like, oh, wait, I thought you were having dinner with me. And the Flash is like, Oh my God! Look what happened. You're Is both it Tuesday. Here. Maybe we can all just sit down and have a conversation together. Because if there's anyone who's still holding a grudge against Shayer after the events of Starcross, it is Wonder Woman. Um, even Batman, who we know voted to kick her out of the league, not to keep her around, um, seems to have basically let it go at this point. But uh, Wonder Woman not so easily swayed. Yeah, it's why do you think that is? I, I don't think, really get an answer in this episode. No, I think if I were to, if I were to speculate, I would say that it might have to do with that to Wonder Woman, like loyalty and honor is kind of the most important thing above all else. Like if you think about what this episode even brings up, the fact that she's been banished from her home for, I don't know what three, five years, however long this has been running. And she has, she could just go back because she does in this episode, but she doesn't because it's like the dishonorable thing to do. She is following the the orders of her mom, of her queen, as you know, of the gods, of yeah. the gods, as dictated by the gods. And like, I, I I would imagine that Wonder Woman thinks of how much she has sacrificed in the name of being an honorable warrior, um, and then to have had Shara betray all of them, and ultimately having end up making similar sacrifices, but I just think that that bitter sting kind of lingers there. And I don't remember the two of them ever being super close necessarily, but I do seem to recall there being at least a couple episodes that got a little bit of bonding time. Yeah. I feel like paradise lost. We saw them together. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was a no boys day. Yeah. So I, I just, I think one Roman is just less likely to be so forgiving in that regards. I mean, kind of the, the exact opposite of, you know, like the flash. He's just like, Hey, let's I'll do whatever it needs to do to get everyone to get along. Um, and it's probably also because Shaira is not the kind of person that's going to like go out of her way to be super apologetic. She's like, look, I've, I messed up, whatever. Like, let's just move on. That might be part of it too. It's like they're flash is right. They are kind of similar. They're like both very stubborn people. That, that makes a lot of sense. That, yeah, that's a good explanation of it. Yeah. It's kind of a funny moment though. When he tries, I when I saw that scene, all I wanted was like similar to Star Trek Below Dex. Mm-hmm. I want a workplace comedy inside the Watchtower, <laughs> either being from a maintenance worker or like a low tier hero. Yeah, who's just there, like a plastic man, just to hang around mm-hmm. all the time and just watch as like this weird argument is happening over at the table with a bunch of the founders at it. Yeah, I 
it would be kind of funny. Like, it's weird how the Flash ends up playing it because they have a brief moment where everyone tries to get along and then Sharon and Wonder Woman both just go like, nope, it's not going to happen. They both walk away. And then Flash sort of plays it off like, hey, look at me. Like, I'm a stud. I got to have dinner with two different women. I was like, that, what, is, what is this? Why is this 2005, happening? 2005, Chris. I know, but... I it, know that's the mantra of these past few episodes. It just, it felt even a little bit out of character for the Flash, even. Because, like, the Flash is someone who will always, like, make the dumb joke and be, like, a little bit, like, cringy at times. But he also goes out of his way to, like, wear his heart on his sleeve. And I feel like I would have expected more to be like, well, I tried. Right, anything else. Or, like, um... Anyone else want to come join me for lunch? Like, I expected a different button on that rather than him being like, look what a player I am. Yeah, I mean, he he obviously dissolves all tension with comedy. Is, yeah. Is, is his base character. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just kind of, could have been better. Yeah, could a little better. But anyways, so that that all happens. And then um, one woman goes back to her quarters and, and sees just the uh, what looks like the Flash's little ear wings what i don't know yeah the it. lightning bolts yeah like on the side of his helmet and she assumes that it's a flash but it's not who is it cameron it's hermes hermes the messenger of the gods so why don't you explain what's happening here at this point because now we're in your territory yeah so on her way back to her room wonder woman walks by i guess the infirmary it's a very medieval kind of infirmary i don't really know what you would call this room oh yeah it's like it, it is yeah, I guess it is like an, it's infirm- an open window display of just full on like bondage, like uh, James Bond style. Yeah. Arm leg locked. It, it, yeah, it's, it's like, I guess tables. it's I guess it's an infirmary, but it's yeah, it's like one where you would have to restrain your patient. A lot of patients. And, and there's so many of these tables. And there's an observation level with windows above it, like an old school like surgery theater. It's not above it, though. It's it's eye level. Is it? Oh, I thought it was up in. Well, what is no, because John just walks straight through the wall and oh, she's okay. and he's as, right as he at Wonder Woman's level. But yeah, you're right. There's a bunch like all the magic users are in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all freaking out about something. We see Damon Darkblood, who kind of can't control Etrigan. We see Zatanna. Wait, 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 no, Jason Blood. That's right. Yeah. Who's Damien Darkblood? <laughs> I have no idea. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good like D&D name. Is it? Wait, isn't Damien Dark a different character? I think so. Yeah. That sounds like a different character. Sorry. I'll, I'll look up Damien Dark. Why don't you explain okay. what's Etrigan, going on? Etrigan's freaking out, uh, speaking about something about chaos. We see Zatanna is kind of speaking in in, in tongues. Um, and she doesn't understand. So she walks into her room, and then Hermes is there. If I may. Yes. Damien Dark is a character from the DC. He was in Arrow. He was like... Like season four, That's I right. think. He was the like, yes. Yes. But, but you are right. Damien Darkblood is the kind of um, amalgamation character in Invincible. That's a little bit of Hellboy, a little bit of Etrigan, That's right. a little bit of like John Constantine. <laughs> so you're not entirely wrong. So they're yes. all, they're all just up in here, yes. just kind of swirling around. Exactly. And I just kind of like that old uh, carnival game where you just kind of grab ducks and the yeah. bottom color is, a diff- is like a different prize. Sure. That's how I feel with names most of the time. Just plucking one at random and see if it lands. But yeah. So yes, it's, it's Jason Blood. Jason Blood. A.K.A. Yes. <laughs> uh, Etrigan. Yes. Uh, Hermes is there with a message from Zeus himself mm-hmm. uh, tasking Wonder Woman to go and kind of restore Hades to his throne. Yeah. Uh, which she's very against. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why, like, she kind of 
fought she already fought Hades once, like forced like prevented him from escaping into the real world. So she's not a big fan of Hades to begin with. Um nor is she a big fan of Faust. Yeah. And I imagine she also doesn't really probably love getting just random edicts from from Zeus. Yeah. Who otherwise like never appears in this series at all. Just there to kind of mess things up most yeah. of the time. Now, who who was the other character, the other Greek god or goddess that uh, Hermes refers to when he's like pulling out different scrolls, like for a good time call? Uh, Podinimus. Who's Podinimus? I, I've never heard of her referred to that name. And even when I Googled that name, it, it didn't answer with that. I guess that is her Greek name. But most okay. people know her as, as Iris. Okay. Uh, who is one of the um kind of nymph goddesses she's basically a god of both sea and sky okay most famously she's the goddess of rainbows oh uh, also a messenger between the sea and sky she's the gay goddess she is oh we like her uh i don't know why she's played up as kind of this like call hotline number i don't know uh but you know i'm sure there's like like i said they probably just grabbed a name at random I, I almost did that for the intro of like, let me just throw a bunch of random Greek names in here just to piss you off. But that was too much work. <laughs> I didn't even want to go that far. Mm-hmm. So, and I would have asked you about all of them. I know. I got nothing. I have absolutely nothing in any of these people. I don't know any of them. Uh, but yes. So he makes a joke because he is flash. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's basically just the flash. Uh, and yeah. And he is off back to Olympus. I yeah. assume, which we, it, it's so weird because clearly like, Zeus and the gods exist. I mean, we've met Hades prior. We've now just met Hermes. But we haven't met any of the rest of them. And it's just kind of interesting that, like, that does also exist in this world and yet plays almost no role whatsoever. And also, there's... When we get to hell, I guess they're combining hell and Tartarus, even though in Greek they're different places. Okay. Um, when they're in hell... There are, all, there are a lot of, like, Christian allegories because there are no angels in Greek myth. Right, yeah, there's a bunch of demons who then get freaked out when they see Shaira and think she's an angel. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of blend a lot of religions. Maybe they shot, she was Pegasus. I guess. Wings? I don't know. I'm trying here. <laughs> it's only, the only Greek character I know that actually has, like, full-on well, angel I mean, there's, wings. like, the harpies that are the half, half women, half birds. I, see, I don't know these things. Mm-hmm. I have not spent as much time studying Greek mythology as you have. Well, if you would have played Yu-Gi-Oh! back in the day. Are you at all surprised that I didn't? No. Nope. If I wasn't going near Pokemon, I definitely was not going near Yu-Gi-Oh! There was a, a wonderful vixen named May Valentine uh, who played a harpy-themed deck. Now I'm really upset with myself that I did deactivate your bomb because you just <laughs> went down an anime tangent and I could have set it off. Mm-hmm. Damn it! screwed myself yes um, i'm free, free. <laughs> let me spin you a tale of may valentine oh god so then yeah wonder woman basically decides she's going to uh quote unquote borrow shayara's nth metal mace uh when she tries to do it shayara shows up and it's like what the hell are you doing yeah i didn't realize we were friends again uh yeah uh if you want the mace i come with it so which i i like I mean, one, yeah, right on. It's like, why are you going to just let Wonder Woman run off with, like, this incredibly powerful weapon that's also yours and, like, the last piece of your home planet and your people that you still have? Yeah. Uh, but also, too, like, this makes sense to me as a way that Shara would try to uh, make amends in a roundabout kind of way. 
like I can see her saying like, okay, if I volunteer to go help with this, like maybe this might help get me back in the good graces and I can do it by doing the thing I do best, which is flying around and smashing things and being a total badass. Yeah. And I feel like from the flip side of, of her mentality, it would take a lot for Wonder Woman to need help of any kind. That's true. And to admit actually. she needs help. That's very, very true. And so yeah. even just seeing her trying to steal something that's not already hers, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, you're in deep shit. Yeah. Like clearly you need someone to help you with this. That That is true. Because I think Wonder Woman is someone who maybe suffers a little bit from an abundance of pride, mm-hmm. which is another oh, reason. Oh, very much yeah, so. Yeah, which is another reason why like she hasn't totally forgiven Shaira. So that's true. Yeah. Wonder Woman would never ask for help unless it's like really, really bad. She's like, okay. Yeah. Fine, I'll come with you. I do want to talk very briefly about mm-hmm. the horrible security system of the Watchtower. Okay. And the bypass code being 003. Well, okay. I don't think that's the bypass code. I of think her bypass code. I don't think that's her bypass code. I think that's her like Watchtower number designation. Okay. Like I I mean I think she is like league member 003. And that's why it, it like I think and that grants her access to well, I th- yeah, break I think, into people's rooms. Yes, exactly. Like I imagine what happens there is like the it's voice recognition and she's just been like one Roman code like zero zero three in the same way that Batman would be like probably zero zero one and Oh I, he, I do you think he gave it to Superman? No, it's just like, <laughs> no. I was about to say Superman zero zero two, like no 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 no. Superman was zero zero seven. <laughs> just just for batman to make a point he's like oh i did it alphabetically superman goes wait but wonder woman's after me and batman's gone at that point he's just gone alphabetically alphabetical (laughs) there's no way batman would give anyone else number one least of all superman let it go to his head well no superman you don't it's not s i'm naming you under it's your it's your symbol of hope it goes to the end of the alphabet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah in the kryptonian alphabet it goes to the very end yeah so yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, but I, I, yeah, I imagine that's probably like the founders probably have that sort of like bypass access. Cause you know, they gotta have the perks. That's fair. On top of their founders table and their uh, throne room for punishing bad people and sending them to the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. You think Manhunter's number two? I feel like he'd have to have the highest number just because he's there all the time. But also he doesn't need a clearance code because he can just phase through everything. Yeah, I bet it's, I, I bet, okay. Okay, here's my, here's my assumption on the order. Batman 1, Green Lantern 2. Ooh, I'm okay with that. Wonder Woman 3, Martian Manhunter 4, probably then Hot Girl 5, <laughs> 6 Superman, 7 Flash. Flash at the bottom of that list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bruce loves to fuck with Clark, but he will always find a way to put down Flash instead. Uh, yes. If it's priorities, that takes precedence. Maybe Aquaman is put above Flash. <laughs> <laughs> there is no seven. <laughs> There's no seven. It's eight Aquaman, and then Flash was never given access. Actually, you know what? That's the reality of it. No one would ever trust Flash to have access to open any door in that place. Yeah. Well, because th- th- I was going to bring this up in the next episode, but we see that they have ID cards. Yeah. Because... Uh, Hunters ha- like throws it at, at Manhunter. Mm-hmm. What do they use them for? We never see them need an ID card for anything. I, I they get, teleport to the station. I, I you know I guess she didn't have a badge and a weapon to turn in, so they had to find something, <laughs> something to show that you're no longer a league member. Turn in your league pin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the Legion have, of uh, Legion of Heroes has their rings. Yeah. 
Exactly. Turn in your pin and we're going to cancel your expense card. Yeah. It, I, it would be great if they had an expense card <laughs> under Wayne Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I wonder why it's Wayne Enterprises. Um, that Bruce guy, he's real sweet about this. He's such a good guy. Uh, so then they, they head off to go to Themyscira and, and Hippolytus initially like, what are you doing here? You're banished, but also, okay, fine. I guess you can be here because mm-hmm. someone's got to go in and, and restore Hades. And there, there's a moment that just felt kind of kind of odd. She's like, you, she tells Diana, you stole the armor, so you never understood its full potential. So then she's like, touches the tiara, and the whole thing glows. It's like, okay, you're good to go now. And as far as I can tell, the only new power she gains is that she now can use the lasso to make people tell the truth. Right? But I thought we've seen her do that once before. I guess not. Right? Yeah. So the last time I feel like we would have seen something like this is when she is fighting Superman when they're when they're both brainwashed. I think is that Paradise Lost Part One when they're both brainwashed to think they're fighting like a monster. Um. Like maybe. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm assuming that we are misremembering things. Which, As we do. Which is, that statement alone is always valid. But I think especially because I can't imagine they would have gone out of their way to emphasize that the lasso could now do that unless they hadn't done it before. Yeah. And I guess I we must just be conflating it with like every other interpretation of Wonder Woman where she does do that all the time. Maybe we're conflating it with um, any of the animated movies. I, I don't remember. Maybe she uses that even in like Crisis on Two Earths or Doom or something like that. Obviously, we, we've seen it in um, live action movies. So I'm thinking that we just had assumed that she had used it at some point to make someone tell the truth. But I guess I think she's only ever used it as a literal lasso. Yeah, I guess so. Which it just seems crazy that only now after we've had so many episodes in so many years that she finally use it for that purpose but again why would they put the scene in there unless that was the case and i am sure like we have a lot of people listening to this right now yelling at us maddie and james in particular being like you idiots <laughs> that happened last episode <laughs> Literally. you idiots but i i also couldn't find anything in like the the research i did today to prep for the podcast any like continuity notes or trivia notes that confirm that this is the first time it appeared I'm just assuming it is. Okay. Maybe like, it's like extra powerful. It's I, super truth now. I guess so. Cause like, cause like, the only other thing is like, it's kind of implied that one room in her tea, like in her outfit, um, it is not responsive to temperature changes. Cause she's not cold when they go to the snow and she's not sweating when they're in hell. Mm-hmm. But like that might you don't be sweat. You glow. Exactly. Well, she does. She's wonder woman. She glows. Yeah. But that could be implied that could just be an implication that one Roman is just like just unfazed by things. It could be the suit it could be something else, but the, the only real substantial thing that seems to change is that she can now use the lasso to get people to tell the truth, which she uses once on some little demon mm-hmm. to find out where Faust is. Yeah. It was kind of an underwhelming power up because it's yeah. a power up that we thought that she already had. Exactly. That's exactly it. And it, yeah, it just felt like, Oh, okay. We're going out of a way for, for just this thing mm-hmm. so they i think they just needed a moment between like mother and daughter they might have 
Yeah, they might have just needed that too. But so they they head into into Tartarus hell. Okay, wait. So what what is the difference between hell and Tartarus? So hell is Hades's domain. And okay. That that is where all human souls go. Okay. And Tartarus is reserved for the worst of the worst. So Tartarus was oh. created specifically for the I just forgot his name. The 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 father of the gods. Kronos? No. Kronos. Is it Kronos? That sounds right. I'm, I'm going to be impressed if that's right. I think it is Kronos. I, I'm off my game, but we're going to go with it. It was reserved specifically for him and its creation. Okay. But then anyone who kind of misused their powers and was, was cast to eternal damnation was then sent to Tartarus instead of hell. So it's kind of the, the final layer. Okay. Uh, and so famous, we see um, Hades in this episode is suffering the punishment of... Um, prometheus i was gonna ask who because yeah who what what's the callback there when we see when we meet hades yeah so prometheus is a is a titan who wanted to help man the only titan that wanted to help man right he brought fire from olympus yes AKA he, technology yes he, he gave fire to the humans mm -hmm. and was scolded and punished for that and so he was granted an ever healing and regenerating liver strung up on a rock for two eagles to continuously eat his regenerating liver over and over and over again for eternity. That's solid. Those Greek gods are good at punishments. They're really good at punishments. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Zeus, for all the shit he gets up to, is he ever really punished? I mean, Hera kind of fucks with him a little bit sometimes. Right. Like, when he'll, like, he'll transform and she'll, like, trap him transformed. Okay. I think there's a story about him turning into a fly and she like catches the fly and okay. keeps him in a jar. I'm just saying, he's he's kind of a kind of a Yeah, I mean he's fuckboy number one. He's kind of a shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of awful in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, every way. All all the ways, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to look up and see if Kronos is in fact the the original. I don't think so. I think he's just one of the Titans. Uh let me Google real fast. I don't know. But yeah, so okay, so they find yeah they find Hades down there suffering from Prometheus's as you put it as you pointed out um, his fate. So because initially they no you're right it's Kronos oh yeah it's Kronos okay because initially they um, Wonder Woman wants to go stop Faust first and Shira's like well maybe we should go get Hades because he could help us and Wonder Woman refuses so they try and take down Faust and he quickly just sends them off to where to where Hades is which also seems like a weird thing to do to like. Why would you send the people who are here to restore Hades to the throne to go meet up with Hades? Yeah. Poor choice. Poor choice on his part. Unless he didn't think Hades, like, had the ability to get back. Because I assume, like, that is, like, he sent them to the next level of hell. Right. Which would be Tartarus. Um, so I guess they just didn't expect that they'd be able to get out of it. Just be the... I don't know. Because for a second, when we see them in the snow, I thought he just, like, sent them back to Earth. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like an odd choice. Uh, poor planning mm -hmm. on his part. But they get him. They go back. And then it's, yeah, Hades, Shaira, and Wonder Woman um, all fighting Faust in the armor. And ultimately, it's um it's Wonder Woman wielding the mace that delivers the final blow. So it's kind of a cool little moment there. Yeah, it, it's a fun fight. I feel like there's a nice callback to the old Jason and the Argonauts movie from the 60s. Yes. When uh, when Faust kind of summons the skeletons to fight, mm -hmm. which last uh, three seconds. As they should. They're just flaming skeletons. Like, yeah. What, what are they going to do going up against any of those three fighters? Right. And like the mace does help. And 
she can just negate all magic. Right. Yeah. The mace, the mace seems very overpowered in this situation. I mean, that's the, you know, the, the beauty of having just like a MacGuffin mace, essentially what it is, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, it disrupts magic. Okay. Yeah. And they're under the assumption that like all, all Greek runs under the same magic system. I mean, I guess it is, isn't it? I guess is all, I guess is all magic the same in this universe. I guess, yeah, I mean, when we see that both Zatanna and Etrigan are suffering from chaos, I guess and everyone, fate. yes, and fate, yeah, uh, because Hermes makes a very specific note that like the the balance between order and chaos is, is yeah. off, uh, which is a big thing, I guess. Order magic and chaos magic encompass all forms of magic in the universe. I think it must. Yeah. Now, what is interesting is it doesn't affect Wonder Woman at all. Which is kind of interesting because one would think that her her armor is magically enhanced. Like it's not technology that empowers it. It's it's a form of magic. So I guess maybe it only disrupts magical beings and not magical objects. Maybe beings that are actively pulling their powers from magic, mm -hmm. which would apply to the Fate Zatanna and uh, Etrigan, but maybe not her. It just it 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 felt. It was interesting to see like there always seemed to be like a defined line of like. It affected all these people, but it did not seem to affect Faust, which I guess he caused it, so that makes sense. It seemed to affect the gods, Hades, or anything like that. Okay, so what if we added a scene to help with that moment with uh, Hippolyta, where they're at the at the dinner table, uh, Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl are kind of in their heated moment. Hawkgirl leaves, and Wonder Woman like smashes her hand against the table, and she notices like her bracelet cracks. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Oh shit. This, like, I block bullets constantly. How did that crack the bracelet? Mm -hmm. So she's walking by. She sees all the magic people getting messed up. She sees Hermes. Hermes makes some offhand comment of, like, you didn't feel it? And, like, basically her powers have been drained. That, yeah. I guess it would have been hard for her to be completely drained of power. Yeah, like, are in the midst of draining. Yeah, so but she yeah. has enough to, like, get there. Yeah, but something, I think something had to be off a little bit. And then Hippolyta, like, heals them sure and then you know you can make it a timed thing i i would rather them not because yeah. like you don't need that extra layer on top of all this yeah you need a ticking clock on top mm -hmm. of it it's all just like the yeah but she does something to like oh like i can fix it yeah yeah that might have helped just like explain a little bit more of why it affected some and not others but whatever as was everything else we're, we're overthinking it but i think probably then one of the most interesting beats that happened in the entire episode though is that after uh everything is resolved like they've defeated faust hades is holding his little little soul like a koosh ball um and he keeps referring to one woman as my child and she's like stop calling me my child he's like well but you're my child did hippolyta not tell you that like we shaped you out of clay together it was only after i was sent to tartarus that she breathed life into you um what's interesting is like that's never I guess truly answered here. He says that's the truth, and Wonder Woman basically says it doesn't matter, right? But I think it's a great moment, actually, of her just being like, "Well, whether it's true or not doesn't change." I think as she puts it, like who I am and and what I fight for and why I left the island in the first place, um, which is cool. I like that they didn't make it a really big thing for her, right? Yeah, and even Hawkgirl is like, "Oh, he's clearly lying. Make him tell the truth." Yeah, and I think there's a like. You know, there is that scary moment, and we don't ever see it in Wonder Woman, but, like, you could feel this tense moment of, like, 
if he is telling the truth and she does last of him, like how will that change her? Yeah. And so she'd rather live in ignorance mm -hmm. than know for sure. Yeah. And I, I get it. I think it works for her. She's like, it doesn't, what, yeah, what, it doesn't what am I going to gain from knowing the truth of this? Like it doesn't change what I do and who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I think, I think that's in some iterations of her that she's like either the daughter of Zeus or the daughter of Hades mm -hmm. or Ares sometimes too. Was that in the... Sometimes Ares. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't... I can't keep track of them. Yeah. It's all Greek gods. Who knows? And yeah, they all they all are just as fuckboy as, as the next. That's true. My God, aren't they? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so... Usually her Hades is actually pretty good because Hades is, is pretty good with just Persephone. Okay. He's the, the one not fuckboy? Yeah. Well, because Persephone is the fuck girl. <laughs> she goes and sleeps with everyone on her day off. Uh, I should have added one of the rules. You can only go so far into Greek mythology for <laughs> detonate the bomb. Did you ever watch Fuckboy Island on HBO? No. It's honestly, it's it's pretty fun. It's horrible. I see, I just can't. It's reality, right? Yeah. I just uh, I can't. I can't. I I it's the world is like toxic enough as it is. I don't need to see like artificial toxicity thrown at me. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy this one or manufactured toxicity, yeah. I suppose, better. I enjoy this one a little bit more because like they all know this is dumb and it's uh hosted by Nikki Glazer. Okay. And so oh. she knows that it's like I do love Nikki Glazer. She knows that this is stupid and she yeah. like, over dramatizes everything in this very like condescending way. Part of it for me too, and I noticed this before on the podcast, but like part of the reason I could not watch um reality TV, particularly reality TV dating shows is I just get really, really tired of, like, straight people having to manufacture conflict in their relationships. It's like, oh, my God, it's so hard for us to be together because of these arbitrary rules we invented, not because it's hard for us to be together, because we've been, like, told we're wrong for who we are for our entire lives or we're not legally allowed to do it in places. Yeah. But that's just me being in my big gay soapbox. Hey, that's fine. This so. one, so this one I think is is different from the others. Have you know the premise of this one? Uh, remind me. Uh, I'll, sorry, I'll be quick about it. Then we can get back on topic. Um <laughs> It is, they brought, I think, like, 20 or 22 guys in who have self-classified themselves as either nice guys or fuckboys. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're trying to convince three women that they're all nice guys. And if they are the final three, you know, bachelor style, the final three that stay, if they're a nice guy, they split the winning between them and the girl. Mm -hmm. But if they're a fuckboy, they keep all the money for themselves. God. My, my point exactly but with like the over dramatized side of it like you it's the men and women are staying in completely separate places and mm -hmm. so the guys are just like fully broing out and it's it's basically just watching a bunch of guys just like having a villa to themselves <laughs> and then girls come and mess everything up see that first part would be interesting if they're all gay yeah fire and, and fucking and then i'd be a full <laughs> on board but they're not so i'm like i don't care i don't need to see a lot of like straight dudes act homoerotic just for the camera and for the attention yeah so oh, it's it's very much for the camera yeah plus like i mean i guess fuck boys also exist in the gay world but it's kind of just most of us right yeah i've heard enough stories to understand yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll fully acknowledge this on the podcast i'm both a nice guy and a bit of a fuck boy y yes <laughs> i can i can agree to both <laughs> but this whole this whole thing ends this whole thing ends with uh, Diana getting unbanished. Temporarily. 
I think it's it's basically like I make the Paul that says, "Look, fuck the gods." I'm paraphrasing, obviously, you shouldn't say "fuck yeah. the gods" in this kid's cartoon. It's like fuck I mean, the she gods. Did. She did. Well, she did. Mm-hmm. It's like fuck the gods. If they want to, if they have a problem with it, they can take it up with me. But like, I'm your mother. I rule the island. You can stay. Let's go have dinner with your friend. It's like I think at that point she's she's unbanished. Okay. Yes. She, I, I like that idea better than just like we have thirty minutes. They're not going to pay attention. Yeah. It's not. It's not like the beginning of John Wick three where she has like ten minutes before she's like excommunicado sort of thing. She's got like she's just good to go at this point. Right. So. <laughs> But the, and the kind of the final little moment of the whole thing is uh, like Wonder Woman basically asking, like, hey, like, are we are we good now? And um, Shara's answer is like, you know, we're like oil and vinegar. We go together. But we don't mix. I was like, you know what? It's a good line. Yeah, that's that's a good line. I like it. Yeah. I feel like that's a nice way to like settle things to too. And they're like, you know, we're we're good to go. We don't have to like be best buds, but we're we're OK. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just nice because I, I love Shaira. Yeah. She's she's working her way back in. Yeah. I, and it's funny because we talked about this a little bit even when we were doing the Justice League episodes, but I I never had like a strong emotional attachment to Hot Girl, but it's the events of Starcross and then it's her arc over the course of Justice League Limited where like I think she really stands out as, as a character when you really start to like love her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She's a little bit, just a little bit, well, she has more to do, frankly, than she ever, ever did um, in Justice League. So uh, did we miss any Greek people that I, I didn't give you a chance to talk about? I think I think we hit them all. I didn't Google the demon. They did name him. But oh, I'm like, yeah. That's, I was like, it's, it's, that's, I'm not going to worry it's about probably that. probably made up. It's probably too specific. Yeah. No. All right. Well, I'm glad we got you a chance. I feel satisfied. You feel so you got your, your, your Greek out? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, geek out with your Greeks out. All right. Should we move on to double date? Let's do it. All right, so after Huntress fails to assassinate Steven Mandragora, the man who killed her parents, uh, she's kicked out of the league and must turn to the question to help her finish out her vendetta. Meanwhile, Green Arrow and Black Canary are assigned to protect Mandragora, uh, putting them directly in the path of Huntress and her arrows. So we talked about this episode a lot two weeks ago. Yes. As I was bemoaning how they handled Black Canary in that episode. I don't disagree with you. There might be a better story happening in that episode, but I will say this in my mind, they fixed the characterization and chemistry of black canary and her relationship with green arrow in this one. Absolutely. I, I feel like they like this whole episode really does hang on what, what I find at least the very charming, p- both pairs being very charming with each other. Like obviously green arrow, and black canary are dating now at this point. Like they're a little more, um, set into their flirtation it's a little more established a little more um like quick off the cuff but even kind of watching this bond forming between huntress and the question like i find really charming because they are two that kind of really shouldn't work in their own way but they do kind of have a lot in common like they're both outsiders both have a darker edge to them i think they're both willing to kind of like go to whatever means necessary to accomplish what they want um but just kind of watching like these two couples square off against each other i found very very fun it's it's very cute Mm -hmm. i think i just in my head they just spent more time together because really there's the fight scene in the middle at the yeah at mandragora's the safe house where mandragora's the safe house and then they're kind of playing like cat and mouse with each other and then there's the final scene with all of them together yeah and i i feel like i'm just in my head i'm mixing every moment because we have 
I believe in the the second roulette episode, we see all four of them again. I think or grudge maybe match, it's just three I, of them. Yeah. I think grudge matches, I think it might mostly be the female leaguers. I can't quite remember. Is it season three? That one's, I'm pretty sure that one's season three. Okay, because then I, I feel like I don't think we see question after this season ends. Um, well, let me look that up. Doesn't he get, like, brain fried or something? No, he, he, at some point, I think it's in maybe the episode Question Authority, um, but he gets, like, the shit beat out of him, mm-hmm. is what you probably remember, because we actually do end up seeing him without his mask on. Okay. In that episode. So, I know there's at least one more episode that establishes a little more concretely the relationship between huntress and question and i think he's primarily focused in this season for good reason because this is the the cadmus season um but let me let me look and see here in terms of what episodes he appears in because i think yeah because we hear him back around in in season three um we hear him name dropped last week we didn't really talk about it that much uh but batman offhand diddly says like oh yeah the cadmus thing is happening uh i've and lex is related to it somehow so yeah. I've put question on that. And the league is like, why yeah, him? like, ooh. Like, not anyone else. Please, Batman. And I love his response. I was like, look, I know he can be a little bit high strung. And if Batman, <laughs> yeah. fucking Batman is calling you high strung, uh, you got a lot to think about. But okay, I'm looking at it right here. So a full appearance in Double Date, Question Authority, Flashpoint, Grudge Match. Mm-hmm, okay. uh, and then everything else he just has a cameo appearances exclusively so but yeah so a few more episodes with him okay yeah but i mean they they and i guess yeah they don't have that much time kind of squaring off against each other but there is there is this kind of fun one-upmanship going on and you you kind of mentioned at the top of the show about how you don't like the fact the question like what you were saying like he always like always feels like he's one step ahead of everybody ahead of everyone on this right yeah he doesn't show it as much as he says it Okay, I guess, uh, and the very final reveal is that, yeah, he's been, like, way ahead of everyone this entire time, but there is a moment where Mandragora has escaped, and he was able to escape because Huntress and Question were trying to get through Arrow and Canary to get in there, Um, and they're, like, looking for clues, and Arrow spots Question picking something off the ground, um, and Question's like, oh, it's this key to a storage locker and green arrow's like okay let's go check it out and even then he knows to not trust question as he says i know what i'm being cons they wait to see as they go i feel like at least in that moment whether like you could easily make the claim like question is doing like a double bluff on that like knowing that they're gonna fall or whatever kind of keep them on their tails i think it was probably more that he genuinely thought he gave them the slip and assumed that he would had was able to like pull it over on green arrow and green arrow is actually smarter than he seems yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely thinks he's the smartest one in the room by a long shot. Yeah. Actually, so, just, I'm sure realized, he looks down on everybody. Oh, he absolutely does. I actually just realized, like, I feel like Green Arrow kind of gives off himbo energy. Oh, yes. To some degree. But he's actually pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, he's he's paralleled to Batman. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's quite like that genius level of Batman, but like he he knows what he's doing, but he just kind of loves to give off like like i said the himbo thing going on yeah but it's i don't know i just i it is cute watching him and black canary just be like flirtatious with each other and having a fun time and like they're they're just like they are basically like on a date in their version of date is babysitting a killer yeah and i there is that fun moment where mandragora knows how to twist people Mm -hmm. 
to just push their buttons exactly how he wants. And he's like really heating up Green Arrow and there's security holding him back. He's like, just give me one minute with him. Like, I just need one minute. Yeah. And then he says one thing bad about Green Arrow and the next shot is them walking out. It's like, I can't believe you got to punch him to Black Canary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's not fair. Yeah, because he, he basically says like, oh, you couldn't find a real man in the league and she loses it and, and goes after him, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. Yeah. And again, like it, to me, what I liked about this is again, maybe it's just because I'm coming off of like fresh eyes on um, uh, Cat and the Canary. But I feel like both those couples always feel like equals to each other in a way that I didn't feel in the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Now they do for sure. Yeah. And like, and, and again, both of them feel that way. Like there's this sort of like kind of mutual respect and equality between the two of them. Even the fact like when question shows up to like pick up Huntress, he like slides up, like, go ahead. You can drive. Like it, I'm more used to the version of green arrow that like, isn't trying to look all cool and macho in front of black and Cause he knows he doesn't have to. Mm hmm. And I guess I had a problem with him going out of his way to be that way in the last episode, whereas here, he's just like, oh, yeah, like, we're just a thing, and we're comfortable with each other, and it's all cool. Yeah, like, he's okay, because there's the great moment on the motorcycle where she's <laughs> yes. like, we're going to the tunnel, hold on. He's like, what do you think I've been doing? <laughs> yeah, do you really need to tell me to hold on? As, yeah, he's riding on the back of her motorcycle, yeah. Or that even when they're, like, they're chasing, they're going through the tunnel chasing down Question and uh, Huntress, and, like, they're running over the train tracks, like, are we dead yet? <laughs> are we dead yet? <laughs> like, again, it's 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 super cute, and it feels like they're all on equal footing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we made, a, I made a comment last week um, about how the, we hadn't yet to see the Zeta tubes do point-to-point teleportation. Yeah, and that happens here. It happens here, yeah. It's like, and I, because I, I had, I watched ahead a little bit, because I just couldn't, couldn't stop myself. So, like, when we recorded, I, I'd seen this. I was like, wait, so we do have point-to-point teleportation, but I guess they just, whatever. They didn't have it then for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they have to use it to escape getting, like, run over by a train. Yeah, and then the bike breaks. The bike's in. <laughs> Canary's all upset. Um, I wonder, because... I feel like Huntress plays similar tactics to Canary. Uh, you know, less sexual focused, but she does kind of ment I guess this is a horrible way to say it, mentally seduce question. I mean that that's a stretch for words. I, I, she she tries to be like, I know stuff about Cadmus. Yeah. Uh why don't you work with me? She does call it a date pretty immediately. She she tries to play with him. Yes. Which she ultimately discovers is impossible because to your point, he's always like several steps ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far as say like, she's trying to seduce him as much as she's just trying to play him a little bit. Yeah. And I think I, for me, at least I felt like she pretty quickly realizes that's just not going to work. One, she doesn't have to, cause he's just going along with it. So then she stops doing it. Yeah. Um, and then he's sort of, subtly actually leading her down a certain path but his methods are a little bit more abstract and subtle right than hers so also okay i do need to talk about hunter's costume real quick here. okay it's very bruce tim isn't it yes <laughs> now i can't this is not entirely his fault because that hunter's costume came from the hush comic Right, that would have just come out around yes, this time. Because she she had a more of like her or her original or at least her most common 
costume, like the version she's wearing in the little Lego minifigure that's behind you, Cameron, up on the wall there, top left corner, next to uh, Metamorpho. Um, like it's more of like a full, yeah, yeah. full body thing. And it has like the white cross on it. And like her, her faith is actually a big part of her character in the comics, which mm-hmm. is not really part of her character here. So, but in Hush, there's a whole element of the plot is that she has a financial backer in that that gives her the new motorcycle and the new costume. And she deliberately chooses that costume with those ears to pull reference from Batman to make it seem like more she's in like the Batman camp of characters. And I'm pretty sure I know that one also has like the um, like the bikini bottoms and then like the bare legs and like the high boots. I think that one also has the open midriff. I would have to double check on it. So it's maybe not entirely um, Bruce Tim's fault that she's drawn the way she is, but it does feel a little egregious. Maybe just me. No, it it is. It's a yeah. kid's cartoon. Um, oh, yeah. And I double checked it. And yeah, sure enough. It, it, it's it's basically the exact same costume she has in Hush, including like the open midriff thing. So it's just like, well, OK, just subtlety be damned, I suppose, on it. Yeah, I will. Like, like we say many times, it's 2005, 2005. <laughs> I, but I always give them credit that if the costume design is maybe a little on the regressive side, I think at least how they handle the character is not. Right. Right. Because like. A lot of people are like trying to tell her what to do, and she keeps saying no. And I like that the question's the only one who never tells her what to do. He's just gonna let her do her thing and like come to the conclusion herself. Because like the the big button all this at the end is they finally track down Mandragora. He's at the docks. He's intercepting a shipment. We assume he's trying to get out of the country. It turns out he's actually bringing in his son Edgar, who was Edgar Edgar, who was kidnapped by like a rival gang. It took him forever to finally get him out and. Huntress now has Mandragora like dead in her sights, crossbow drawn, ready to fire. And she looks down at Edgar and sees the look in his eyes and it flashbacks to when she watched Mandragora kill her own parents. And it's enough to make her decide not to kill Mandragora. Now, this I found very interesting. So the guy is huge. Like, like probably one, physically one of the biggest characters I've seen in the entire DCAU. Like this massive albino, crazy looking dude. We've seen that, like, he is really, really hard. Like, Black Canary says when she punts him, like, the guy's all muscle. And he, like, picks up, like, steel eye beams and swing him around like they're a baseball bat. So Huntress decides she's not going to kill him by shooting him with an arrow. <laughs> so instead, she shoots the arrow into the air, which cuts a rope, which then drops a, a plank, like a, a pallet. pallet, yeah. A pallet full of 20-some-odd steel eye beams, which incapacitate Mandragora, but don't kill him. And we know he doesn't kill him because we get a very lovely Andrea Moan out mm-hmm. of him to prove he's not dead. But I'm like, really? One arrow wouldn't have, like, would have killed him, but all this shit didn't. Right. You can, you can maybe get, like, a leg shot in just to get a little bit of pressure off of you. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I didn't, I, I get what they're going for. I didn't quite buy that that wouldn't have killed him. But I did like that moment when it's also revealed that Question knew all along who was on that ship and he was letting Huntress get there because he trusted that she would make the right call in the moment. Something which no one else trusts her to do. I mean, she was kicked out of the league because she tried to kill Mandragora and failed ultimately out of her own surprise. Yeah. We, we mentioned this last week about John never showing emotion, but again, Mm -hmm. in this episode at the the top, we see him getting angry with her. Yeah. He's really upset. Yeah. He's, he's kind of losing himself. Which I feel like doesn't ever actually roll into anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, kind of. Like like I mentioned, I guess maybe two weeks ago now, there is an episode where 
that will address Jean's alienation from everybody. And, and I think you could pick up a lot of these subtle little moments as him. I don't want to say losing his humanity because obviously he, he's not human and he's never been one to be overly emotionally expressive, but I think he's having a really hard time understanding how he fits into this, this world. You know, he, he's isolated himself in the watchtower. He's having these much more like strong reactive moments. I think he is emotionally on edge and that's something he's not used to being. Um, and, and, and I think if maybe there's not a very blatant payoff to all this, I think there's, these are subtly building towards something that ultimately has kind of paid off from what I recall. Okay. So, yeah. Cause just from like outside of looking in my other idea for it is GA or, uh, uh, John Stewart doesn't get a lot to say in these past few episodes. Mm-hmm. He all doesn't, he all, yeah, he does manhunter, right? Yeah, it's he and Manhunter are the ones who are on the tower during the task. No, Force I mean, uh, uh, well, I just forgot his name. Oh no, no, no. Um, Phil no, Lamar. Does he Phil, not voice? No, Phil Lamar does Green Lantern. Carl Lumley. Oh, okay, never mind. The the great Carl Lumley. Who can we just as an aside? How the fuck did he not get an Emmy nomination for best guest actor for his appearance in Falcon Winter Soldier? He's Isaiah Bradley. That's right. That's right. And like, oh my god, he was incredible. That show is not amazing. But his moments are. And, like, the fact that they nominated Don Cheadle for, like, 30 seconds and not him. I didn't even realize that. Fucking that bad. Is, like, that's it, rude. And even when it happened, Cheadle's like, ah, uh, y'all, I don't know why I got nominated either. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> he even acknowledged he doesn't know why he was nominated. Probably because people... He's Don Cheadle. Well, yeah, probably because he's Don Cheadle. But, like, Carl Lumley, like, is amazing. And he doesn't necessarily always get the chance to, like, play his range here. But if you haven't seen it... I mean, I, I overall liked Falcon Winter Soldier. But, like, for... His appearances in episode five, I think, in particular, you're just like, my God, mm-hmm. my God, is he good? Man's got gravitas. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll be back. He'll hey, probably, probably stay on Disney Plus, but he'll be back. Yeah, he might be back. I hope he's back at some point because he's so fucking good in that. Um, but yeah, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't really get a chance to be very emotive very mm-hmm. often. And to your point, like Green Lantern was like the calming one, which is kind of funny. You kind of expect the dynamic to be the way around. Yeah. So, but yeah, I guess. I think it's when when he sees someone else get mad, he's like. Okay, it's not my place anymore. Yeah. He'll jump in to do what he has to do. He's a little more adaptive that way. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I look, I think this one's super fun. There's lots of little things that I love, too. I love that Question's driving around in a classic GTO. Gorgeous car. Mm-hmm. Um, as it is often talked about, I'm a huge fan of Darwin Cook's The New Frontier, which is how I first discovered Agent King Faraday. And he has an appearance in this, so that just brought a smile to my face, because I love Faraday. Is he the, uh, the one, is he the guy, like, in charge of the... Um safe house yes okay yeah he he's he's yeah like the the agent in charge of keeping mandragora protected got it so he's the one that gets thrown across the room he does i don't know i don't think he maybe um appears again but i just really like him as a character and i I feel like he doesn't uh doesn't get enough love really poor king faraday Mm. oh poor guy but i mean are you you still feeling kind of meh on this whole thing no i'm feeling better about it uh i think like I said, I think I overhyped it in my head. It's still a good episode. It's still a great episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I just, I think I just want more. I just want more of all of these characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we are burdened by having vague recollections of what's to come. Yes. And we're kind of like conflating a lot of them together. They so all yeah. just kind of, we merge the best moments into one. Exactly. Just as Zack Snyder does with all DC properties. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what? That's right. That's really what he's not known for. He takes all the best moments of the DC universe and he crams them into one really shitty moment instead. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days, they'll stop kicking. I was explaining Zack to Snyder. a friend the other day because it's like, I'm sure you've had these conversations. Like, I, working with Disney a lot of the time, I get a lot of people be like, oh, you must be a huge Marvel fan. Like, like I am, but like, DC is where my heart is. Yeah. And like, but aren't those movies bad? Like, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And like, here's why. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain without like going full tangent. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, well, like, what he does is Zack Snyder, like, He'll pick the best pieces, which makes the other parts of those storylines unusable. Exactly. And, th- and, that, and that's exactly it. Yeah, it's like, it's fine if you do something and don't do it well, but, like, you've ruined the death of Superman, death of return of Superman. Multiple times. Multiple times, right? You know, and you don't often get second chances. Sometimes you do, and then you're Fox, and you somehow make the Dark Phoenix saga even worse. Yes. The second time around, did none of those possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like, I mean, again, I, we're always kind of kicking him. And I think like from whatever, from everything I've heard, apparently he's like a very lovely guy. Um, and he's I mean, not. He's, he seems to be fun on Twitter. Yeah. And, and he's not. He is talented. It's just his hubris as a filmmaker gets in his own way. I, I think it because I had this problem in design school. Um, did your hubris get in your own way? Oh, it did. All the time. Up. No, I was so focused on like when I pulled inspiration because, like, a lot of my stuff in, in college was superhero-focused, as sure. expected. Yeah. Uh, but I was so caught up on, like, if I'm referencing a property of superhero, I, I must do it as accurately as possible. Oh, okay. And I must, I must perfectly recreate it. Mm-hmm. And when I was trying to do that, it would, like, muddle my color palettes. It made, like, all the text kind of messy. Because I would I'd try and copy it, like, point for point. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't merge like that. No. And I feel like Zach... Uh, Snyder might have a similar problem. Like he's so familiar with the source material, he wants to recreate it, but then he just puts like a his uh his film tint over it. If he's familiar with the source material, I think it might only be on a surface level. To be honest, oh, it's very much on the surface. Level. He, he seems to miss the big point of a lot of them. Yeah, well, like think of his his big two pre DC days. His Watchmen, I guess Watchmen is DC. Watchmen and Three Hundred. Yeah. He got 300. I'll give him that one. Yeah, but again, it's it's panel for panel. Yeah, it is. And it, look, that movie's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I am a defender of his Watchmen, I will say this. You are. I am a defender of I need, I need to rewatch it. The, the ultimate cut in particular. But who has the time? Honestly, who has the time? Who has the time? Ultimate cut in particular is worth, it's worth giving you a gander. So Okay. Um, but <laughs> Zack Snyder aside, uh, <laughs> anything else on uh, this episode here on our double date? Um. Nothing on the episode, but would you like to know about the question? I would, in fact, yes. I have questions about questions. Okay. Uh, so as you know, as you've brought up before, speaking of Watchmen, uh, the question started off as a Charlton, Charleston Comics character before it was DC. Yes. Um, he was known in, he was in Hub City, known as Vic Sage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a kind of very aggressive journalist, okay. uh, similar to what I assume um Batman, not villain, but antagonist. Creeper, the Creeper. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but Creeper was like, yeah, like a like a newscaster. Yeah, he he was on, yes. Okay. Th- it's similar to what the question started out as. Okay. Vic Sage was. Mm-hmm. Um, while doing an approach one time, he was approached by uh, Aristotle Roeder, a former professor and current scientist, 
Roder told Sage about an artificial skin he'd co-developed with Dr. Twain, a person he was investigating, um, called Pseudodim. Uh, Pseudodim was intended to work as an applied skin-like bandage with the help of bonding gas, uh, but had unforeseen toxicity and sometimes fatal when applied to open wounds, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, he, he asked uh, Vic Sage to go investigate this guy and kind of prove that he's using the science illegally and, mm-hmm. and horribly towards people. Okay. Um, so Sage resol- uh, resolved to stop him, but no way was going after Dr. Twain without exposing himself. Roder suggested that Sage use a mask made of pseudodim to cover up his famous facial features. Armed with information and most important, and more importantly, disguise. I feel like that's not the right more important part. <laughs> uh, Sage eventually caught up with Doctor Twain, stopping the transaction and exchanging a con- and extracting a confession, then leaving Twain bound and suited him. Um, and then on TV, Sage reported of Doctor Twain's illegal activities, uh, and that's kind of how a lot of it all started. After that, he worked with um, Doctor Rodham to kind of use the pseudodim, pseudodim to disguise himself as vigilante. Mm-hmm. But what was different about him and the other DC characters at the time was he... Can I just jump in real quick? Am I mispronouncing things? I think it's pseudoderm. Pseudoderm. Like like pseudo as in fake and derm as in skin? Yes. That's... Pseud- I was like, this pseudodim is that pseudoderm. 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 Yes, thank you. Yes, if you'll allow me a moment of pedantry. No, no, please. Yes. Uh, Sage decided the new identity would be useful for future investigations and partnered with Professor Roeder, who supplied him with pseudoderm and eventually modified the bonding gas to change co- the color of Sage's hair and clothing. The two men became good friends, and Sage affectionately referred to Roeder as Tot. Don't know why that's important, but I like that name. It's cute. Okay. Uh, so to kind of separate him from the other DC characters at the time, uh, he, as we see in this, very similar to how he acts in this show, he's not afraid of kind of crossing the line. Yeah. Uh, and there's one famous moment in the comic, I think it's like 1967, so this is pretty unheard of at the time, mm-hmm. where there were goons, <clears throat> he was chasing down a sewer that kind of got caught up in the current, and instead of saving them like most other heroes would do, he basically let them drift off in the sewer and went up to the police. He's like, hey, if they survived, they'd pop out of this area <laughs> and then left them there. Did they die? Probably. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's it's a pretty kind of generic start for a hero. Yeah, I I don't I don't really know any of his famous arcs. I know at one point um, Renee Montoya took over the role yes. of the question. I don't really know anything about that whole thing. I just know that she did. Uh, yeah. So in just before the New Frontier, not New Frontiers, I New Fifty Two started. Yeah, Montoya took over for um, as the question because I believe Vic Sage died. That sound right. Uh, but then when they remade it in New 52, they basically created him as this mythical being, almost on par with the spe- uh, the sep- Spectre. Oh, Spectre, okay, yeah. Uh, but then kind of demoted him uh, down to, where was that? Um, uh, he was a mythical entity, then demoted down to like a secret government agent before restoring him to his traditional detective persona in, in Rebirth. Okay, yeah, I, I feel like... I, He's not someone I feel like who should have powers. No. He works because he's just some guy who's kind of a crackpot, but also kind of right at the same time. So so I was thinking about this with this episode. Um, When Batman kind of has these gotcha moments, I feel like there's always an explanation of how he got his information. It's never just like, 
oh, I'm Batman, so I already knew this was happening. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're more forgiving with the question doing that because he's such kind of a crazy person. Yeah, I mean, he's just so eccentric, and he is clearly always just, like, pulling at these random threads all the time. Like, you know, and he makes that comment very early on in in Justin Limited. He's, you know, it's like, don't kid yourself. I go through everyone's trash sort of thing, right? Like, he... You know, and I feel like maybe to some degree that is actually a deliberate persona he's putting out there to kind of like make. I, I think he is setting people's expectations of him low in a lot of ways. I mean, the fact that Batman trusts him to investigate things like the guy who's dubbed the world's greatest detective, like is willing to outsource investigative work to this guy actually speaks to his competency. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think Batman is able to see through to like the truth of like, no, this guy actually knows what he's doing and how to get his shit done. And either you can forgive then his genuine belief and all this other sort of crap, or you can just eventually realize like it's all fake. Um, yeah. Cause uh, when Huntress first walks into his room, uh, she pulls on a, a news clipping that basically says like the girl scouts are responsible for the crop circles. Yep. It's like, is that true? It's like, yeah, everything is true. Everything's true. You just have to ask the right questions to find it. Yeah, I like I I love him. I know that my love of him pretty much comes exclusively from these episodes because I haven't really read anything with him anywhere else. Nor has he really made any appearance in other major DC animated properties that I can really recall. Yeah, I mean they do him so well here. I feel like it, yeah, you have to create the right story for him. You can't just throw him in as a cameo. No, absolutely not. And 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 let us also acknowledge too, like part of the reason this works so well is that Jeffrey Combs is the voice actor on it. Who's like he's just one of those. If you were to look him up, you would realize like oh I've seen this guy and heard this guy's voice all over the place. Super super prolific, really fantastic. Very famously, he played a, a character in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine whose name I, I honestly do not remember because I haven't seen it in a a very uh long time but i bet it's listed right here somewhere doesn't matter um but you know he he's fantastic i think he really brings a lot to the role oh also he voiced uh the new batman adventure scarecrow oh which is also a nice little shout um and i think everyone else we've like talked about that it's you know um Marina Baccarin as Black Canary, and then uh, oh, I didn't I didn't realize this. It's Amy Acker as uh, Huntress. Oh, nice. Yeah. I know that name. Yeah, famous uh, Whedon collaborator Amy Acker. Um, although maybe that's not how she wants to be referred to these days. Uh, I don't think anyone does. And then I, I have to give a special shout out to to uh, the voice actor for Stephen Mandragora, who is Glenn Shaddix, who you, he's one of those voices like where do I know this voice from? And he I'd say is most famous for playing Otho in Beetlejuice. Also, the mayor in A Nightmare for Christmas. Interesting, because um, the question is from Beetlejuice as well. Uh, Jeffrey Je- Combs? Is it Combs or Jones? Two different people. Okay, I looked up Jeffrey Jones. Yes, Jeffrey Combs, C-O-M-B-S. Okay. Um, yeah, he did, like, he's done a lot of stuff in Star Trek, lots of voice acting. Jeffrey Jones is in Beetlejuice, He's also um, vice principal, the vice principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right. Um, but yeah, anything else on this? Uh, I think we covered it all. All right, sweet. Uh, what are your plugs for this week? Uh, so I haven't gotten to start it yet because it's been a crazy week, but mm-hmm. Sex Education Season <gasps> 3 
It's up on Netflix. That's right. And after this, I will binge all of it. Oh my God, that's right. Oh, I've been dying for that show. I know. I love that show so much. Me too. They put out a trailer not too long ago, and I was like, oh my God, I want this. I now. feel like I, I feel like I need to rewatch season two because it's been so long. Okay, it's been about a year mm-hmm. when I rewatched season two. I feel two. like season one to two, there's only a couple months between. I don't know. I feel like everyone came to that show so late. Excuse me. But it probably. You, I pitched it early. You came late. Well, probably. I always do. I'm busy, Cameron. <laughs> Editing this podcast. <laughs> yes. That I force upon you. Yes. Um, I watched that. I'm about to watch that. Mm-hmm. I have a... I'm not ashamed of this plug, but... Good start. <laughs> um, there's a series that I kind of skipped over in my youth on Cartoon Network called Total Drama Island. Now, what I love about this... <laughs> Is you mentioned this last week. I was like, what have you been up to? He's like, oh, I've been watching the show that I'm too embarrassed to plug. And now you're just not embarrassed anymore to plug it? No, I just have nothing else to plug. And so I feel like I need to talk about how I've been spending my time this week. Um, it is a, it's a funny show. It's a okay show with a great premise. Yeah. Uh, but it is a Survivor parody. And Survivor did start this week, uh, season 41. I'm very excited to figure out what else is going on. Who cares? I do. <laughs> great. I'm glad someone cares. Um, yeah, it's a great parody of it where they have these 20 contestants go to, and it's, it's less on the like survivor aspect. And it's more like a campsite. Mm-hmm. They've survived this lunatic of a host <laughs> who's basically just trying to kill all of them. Uh, is he still model of Jeff Probst? Yes, okay. very much so. He wears the same outfit. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's every character. It's uh, very similar to Clone High with very similar oh, like, art style. Okay, now you've got me intrigued. Yes, where every character is like a very blatant stereotype of yeah. somebody. Uh, so you have, but like a little twist on them. So like the jock character is super clumsy at everything he does, uh, but he's always head first in everything. Uh, you have the like big frat boy who's just like the heart of gold, mm-hmm. but he'll eat anything in front of him. <laughs> My God. Uh, you have the goth girl who like writes poetry in her free time. Of course. Uh, the musician. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's like every high school trope is in there and it's, what, it's, it's pretty fun. What's the name of it again? It's total drama. Island. Total drama Island. And it's on Disney plus. Uh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> Funny enough. They, so it's a Canadian animated show. Um, and I guess they just, because it's three seasons and they just uploaded all of them into single nine hour videos. Uh, and they, it's, wow. yeah, it's because it's 26 episodes, 26 30 minute episodes. Oh, yeah. Again, 2000s cartoons. That's how it used to be. But even Clone High was only 13. Yeah, and then it got canceled. Oh, don't remind me. But it's coming back. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, the re- I think the reason partially why I'm ashamed of it is season one. And I'll just say it now for anyone who's thinking of jumping in. Season one ends pretty unsatisfyingly. Okay. Uh, in they have a winner and then the winner loses. And so then all of the like last 14 go on to season two to compete for the same amount of money. Okay. Seems kind of weird. Yeah. I wasn't so, super digging that part. It's so weird that this was a kid's show. Yeah. It, it sounds like. It sounds like it needs to have a little bit of like a, a, a meta bite to it. Does it? Or is it a little soft in its punches? It's for Cartoon Network. It's pretty meta. Okay. And it's definitely more teen focused, which is okay. good for the art style. 
it, it definitely has a lot of the like the fart jokes in there for the kids. But then there's a lot of like uncomfortable sexual moments between these characters. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, but you know it's it's fine. Okay. If you have nine hours to spare, you've got, you've got a spare nine hours to just watch a twenty year old cartoon think, on YouTube. I think the more reason I'm plugging it is like if anyone needs to talk about it, if you watched it all those years ago and you just haven't ever found anyone to talk you, about it, I'm now willing to talk about it with you. If you have been sitting and stewing in your own presumed craziness, like did I imagine that show? Was it a real thing? Did it exist? Turns out it did. It had, a, it had a weird cult following. Well, it's I remember not have always, a popular following. Yeah, I remember it always having a small presence at cons. Okay. Uh, and me thinking I'm better than that. <laughs> now I'm here. Cameron. Cameron. There were a few things back then. I'm like, I'm better than that. Very few things. As a man who watched Super Duper Sumos, there are a few I things was I'm gonna better say, than. Are, are, when it comes to animation picture, are you, are you better than that? No. Are you? No. Okay. There Brandy and Mr. Whiskers watched it, hated it, watched every episode. Dave the Barbarian loved it and watched every episode. Every episode. Yep. You are committed. I commit. The replacements, Cat Scratch, yep. El Tigre. You're very committed, slash maybe you should be committed. But Yeah, I should. Yeah, we, <laughs> we love you for it. <laughs> uh, what about you? What do you have to plug? Um, I once again have a podcast appearance oh it's a plug yes uh i busy yes i'm very very busy i uh i once again uh joined our dear friend sam gash on his fantastic show i do a remake this would mark my fifth appearance wow i believe let me see if i get this right yes because it was uh superman Mm -hmm. james bond Mm -hmm. which one all of them oh (laughs) well i mean we, we we ultimately specifically decided to remake from Russia with love, but he basically just brought me on like, how would we do a new Bond film? So just the whole thing. Oh, okay, got it. Same with Superman. We're like, how do we do a new Superman film? New franchise film. Um, I did the British Avengers. Yep. Uh, <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So. And now? And now I joined him for the 100th episode. There was actually uh, three guests on it this time, which is fun. We had a, a panel of four in total. And we remade James Cameron's classic, The Terminator. Ooh. Which I guess capped off an inadvertent trifecta of Cameron films, including your avatar. Yes. You guessed it on. Um, as always, super, super fun. As always, we got to the end of it and we all went, God damn it, I really wish we could watch this version of The Terminator. I think we had some really, really good ideas on how to reboot that. Because it already kind of got like a semi-sequel, semi-reboot with Terminator Dark Fate, which is okay if not necessarily great. But it, the problem with the original Terminator is a lot of mistakes that movie makes, Cameron makes up for and corrects in Terminator 2. And then once again, they fixed a lot of the mistakes and modernized it when they got to Terminator Dark Fate. So it's like, oh, how do we still find a way to make this relevant? And I think we nailed it. Okay, I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah, it was really, really fun episode. So, uh, yeah, go. I'll be in the sh- uh, I think it's going to come out the same day this podcast drops. Yes. Um, so I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, and then the other thing I have to plug is we started, you and I both watched it together, started watching Star Wars Visions. Oh, my God, we did. Yes. Which, oh, my God. So, Chris. like, folks, it happened. I watched anime. I, yes, on your own accord. I, on I my didn't, own accord. I didn't tape you to the to the desk no, i i and i totally did not watch this for my job uh <laughs> but the thing is i like that aside i would have watched it anyways um i love I mean, we're only three i've only watched we only watched the first three um i love it 
It's incredible. I think it's fantastic. Oh I mean, my god, it's beautiful. I, the duel is it's, a masterpiece. It's gorgeous, and and I feel like we we literally came from opposite sides of the fandom because you are Cameron Dexter, famous not Star Wars fan, not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> very and, publicly not a fan exactly and i'm very publicly not an anime fan um and but you're actually not a fan <laughs> yeah i'm actually not a fan and you know i was just so excited by watching something entirely different in the star wars universe universe from a a visual perspective from a storytelling perspective um or even just from like a we would never explore this particular niche of the galaxy outside of this weird fun anime um, so I think from a star, if you're a Star Wars fan, I think it's absolutely worth a watch just because it's so unlike anything else out there. And it's not encumbered by trying to keep up with a broader continuity in the way that some other things can be. It really just gets to live as its own fantastic thing in this really cool universe. Yeah. And not a Skywalker to be seen. Not. Well. Questionably. Questionable. Not a Skywalker to be seen. Questionable. Not a Skywalker to be seen. Yes. Uh, but yeah, everyone, even if you're kind of, even if you're also not in the anime fan circle, you don't have to be to enjoy this. At the very least, watch the first episode. Yeah. The duel truly is like, it is a masterpiece from both like 60s Japanese cinema to modern standards. Yeah. It's like very Kurosawa inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks just gorgeous. Um, it, it's gonna win awards i think so yeah it, it looks gorgeous it has a, has a great score um i i was blown away by this actually me too I, like, I, I i and i went in with like fairly high expectation like you know what? this looks cool and weird and different and it, it is all those things but it just felt like even more yeah yeah it's really good stuff and it's all in disney plus and all nine are out it's just nine short films they're all about 15 minutes yeah i think each they show. said uh all of them together about two and a half hours something like that yeah and and it, None of them ever overstay their welcome. It's like right. they're all like the perfect length. Um, yeah, it's really great. Really, really highly recommend checking that one out. Yeah, so. I last note on it while coming in with What If, mm-hmm. which is similar kind of other world stories. Yeah, all the What If episodes kind of end with a cliffhanger of recent. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the What If episodes have been ending with room for open possibilities. Yes, I, I think the story is primarily resolved but that world can can, that universe can continue on these these stories and visions feel like a more concrete ending yeah they feel like they they kind of close off and tie up with a nice little bow at the end which is nice was a a very nice fresh of fresh air fresh of wow breath of fresh air you don't feel like you're not being given the full story yes so yeah we haven't really talked about what if we'll save it for when it's when it's all done i think when it's all done maybe we'll do a little bit on that yeah um but also really good incredible yeah i mean i don't uh, i hate to say this because i we both love animation i don't think despite the great critical success we're getting out of the, the animation coming out of like disney plus in particular i still don't think it's gonna be enough to like crack people's stigma against watching animated things unfortunately um but if you're I don't, well one if you're listening to this podcast cool you watch animation otherwise why the fuck are you listening to this podcast yeah. except for my mom hi mom hey cindy uh but yeah uh it's there's some really good stuff in the animation space coming out of disney plus right now yeah and i think they've opened the door i don't think we've talked about this on air we talked about it in person Mm -hmm. in our in our one sentence we share with each other exactly the the very curt hello goodbyes (laughs) that we have yes we are not friends outside of this podcast Mm -hmm. famously established um where i think this is opening an opportunity for shorts between movies now where you don't have to get the actor to 
be in perfect shape for it. Yeah. But you can get them for a day in a voice in a voiceover studio. Yeah. Because I want a Shang Chi short oh. where it's him practicing how to use the rings, but doing it for like everyday chores. Oh, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be really fun. It's breaking everything in his apartment. Yeah. And Aquafina there just cheering him on every step of the way. Right. I mean, this is not the first time this sort of stuff has been done. I mean, the Animatrix very famously yeah. came out uh, prior to the latter two films and is all canon. And I remember a lot of that stuff being really, really great. Um, there's Batman Gotham Knight, which came out in 2008, right before the dark Knight, which is sort of like loosely kind of set in the Nolan verse, but kind of like star Wars visions. Each segment has its own animation style going on. Um, yeah, like this sort of stuff has been done before. I, this might just be one of the first times it's really been really pushed to the mainstream, also slash considered like full on 100% canon the way that What If is. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. It's so much fun. It's so go fun. check it out. At least the duel. Yeah, at least I, I think go watch the duel, and I think it'll be enough for you to want to keep going. Just be prepared that they're not all like the duel, but they're all giving you something cool and different and fun. Yes. So, all right. Well, I think that does it for us this we week, did it. Cameron. We did it. We will be back. Our next episode, we will be talking about... Ooh. 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 Clash. At Demon Head? No. Oh. What the hell is that? It's the van from Scott Pilgrim. Of course. <laughs> no, we... Why, why, why? Why do I ask <laughs> these questions? No, Clash is the... I believe this is correct. Single episode of the DCAU that features Captain Marvel, aka Shazam, oh, oh. aka Shazam. Shazam, a really good episode. And, I I forgot that was his name for a minute. <laughs> uh, and then after that, we have oh, we have uh, ooh, Hunter's Moon. Which, as I'm looking back on this, it looks like this is gonna pick up some threads uh, with some of the Thanagarian. So I don't really remember this one very much, but uh, who knows? Could be good. Be sure I'm sure it'll be good. Probably be good. Um, but still, stuff to look forward to. Uh, but until we return, until that episode, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. And yes, you yes, can yes. find me at Lordafer on Instagram. Yes. Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. I just did Halloween at Disneyland. Yay! Can't wait to see those costume pics. Very fun. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely glorious. Did you already tell the people what you are? Uh, I think so. I'm uh, Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, when, specifically when he was the um, junior chipmunk scout leader. Brilliant. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. It's great. Very niche. It's going to be so good. I looked like a skipper from Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I really hope... You get mistaken for one, too. I hope so. Yeah. I'll do a speech. Yeah, I know you will. You have it prepared. Just, just, you have spent so much time with me. Draw on my dad joke energy, Cameron. I fully believe in you. Yes. <laughs> do be proud. Uh, but thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll all see you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, wait, I think I got it this time. You got it. Beautiful. We did it. (laughs)